1: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Carrie Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're covering agriculture from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the trans and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
2: Three young couples top the list of the best young farmers in Texas. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have that story coming up.
3: Overall, peanut yields down in Texas due to drought, but up along the Red River. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today.
4: People in agriculture are known for their generosity, and here in the panhandle, that's being shown in special ways as local producers help kids get enough to eat. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story as I report from Amarillo.
1: We'll have those stories along with the latest news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets coming up. But first, here's Jessica Domo with news headlines.
2: The state's largest farm organization is recognizing three young farm and ranch couples from across the state for their ambition, fortitude, and dedication. The finalists in this year's Texas Farm Bureau Outstanding Young Farmer and Rancher Contest are Matt and Jessica Hanslick of Hallettsville, Slayton and Abby Holscher of Wall, and Alton and Adrian Sinach of Olton. The Outstanding Young Farmer and Rancher Competition recognizes the accomplishments of the state's top agricultural leaders between the ages of 18 and 35. The winner of this year's contest will be named during Texas Farm Bureau's 87th annual meeting on November 30th. The winner will represent Texas in the national competition in January. After several weeks of below-average rainfall for much of the state, the area of Texas suffering from moderate or worse drought has risen to 57 percent. That's up nine percentage points from last week. According to the Texas Water Development Board, nine percent of the state is suffering from exceptional drought. The last time that much of the state saw exceptional drought was May of 2014. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department and the City of Abilene will host Trout Fest 2020, December 5th through the 15th at Cal Young Park Pond in Abilene. The event is open to anglers of all ages. The pond will be stocked with more than 1,500 rainbow trout prior to the event. The contest is free, but anglers must scan a QR code on one of the signs at the pond to enter. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service will host an online pesticide applicator program to Texans needing CEUs from 8.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. December 3rd. Cost is $20. Speakers will discuss weed control strategies for pasture and hay fields, external parasite control, pesticide safety, weed control in turf grass, and laws and regulations for pesticide use. Five Texas Department of Agriculture pesticide applicator continuing education units are available. Again, the program is 8.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. on December 3rd. A link to register online is available on today.agrilife.org. That's today.agrilife.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Duhlmull.
1: Peanut yields in Texas have been down this year due to drought, but along the Red River, they're looking good. Tom Nicoletti has more.
3: Crop surveys by the US Department of Agriculture show that Texas peanut producers planted 165,000 acres in 2019 and had estimated that 190,000 acres uh, were planted in 2020. That's up 25,000 acres statewide. But the September forecast estimated yields to be at uh 2900 pounds per acre. The average yield in Texas last year was 3100 pounds per acre, so down somewhat this year. And a part of that issue is uh, the drought that has uh, uh, hit uh, a number of areas in the state of Texas. For today's program, we go up to the uh, Rolling Plains and uh, catch up with Wilbarger County peanut farmer, Clint White. And uh, Clint, you folks just uh, completed your peanut harvest. What did it uh, look like?
5: Yes, sir. We just uh, did wrap it up here in the last week. Overall, our, our peanut yields were actually average. Some, we had a couple of farms that hadn't been in peanuts in several years. And so those yields were above average for us. But overall, I would say, our 800 acres total probably averaged about uh, what we're used to uh, used to seeing. So we probably averaged 3,800 to 4,200
3: pounds per acre. Okay, so that's above the Texas average easily then.
5: We ended up having some rain in late July. We irrigated hard all the way through to the last of August. And fortunately, you know, our water held up, and we didn't get this too hot like it did in West Texas, uh, where they were hurt the worst. And I would say that, that was probably... The biggest drag on yields was uh, the, the peanuts uh, grown there in West Texas on the South Plains.
3: What about the quality of your uh, peanut crop this year, Clint?
5: Actually, our our quality was uh, good to uh, to some above above average. Uh, with those uh, those yields, some of the later yields, uh, we were able to keep the peanuts in the ground a little bit longer, let them get a little bit more mature, and that uh, that paid off for us.
6: For
3: this year's uh, peanut crop did you have any uh pest pressures any other disease problems uh, that uh, may have uh, impacted your crop
5: we didn't have any pest problems we did have uh, we had some worms late but they did not uh, worms and grasshoppers you know kind of tattered up the uh, the plant but overall as far as it did not hurt yield uh, one thing that we did go through doing harvest we ended up there at the last of October or about the week before the last of October, there was a uh, we had a cold front come through just like and got some we got about three inches of rain, but we also had ended up with an inch uh, or a half inch or so of ice on everything. And at that point, we had all the peanuts dug, and uh, the the ice just covered everything completely. But fortunately, the peanuts were dry enough, and the 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 yields I mean the grades were not affected by it at all by the cold
3: weather. Those comments from Clint White. He is a peanut farmer from Wilbarger County in the Rolling Plains. On our next program, we'll focus on this year's peanut production in West and South Texas. Tom Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio
1: Network. People in agriculture are known for their generosity, and in the panhandle, that's being shown in special ways as local producers help kids get enough to eat. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo.
7: The purpose of this program is real simple. Kids can't learn if they're hungry. Dyron
4: Howell is the executive director of Amarillo-based Snack Pack for Kids, an organization providing free weekend nutrition to schoolchildren with a key objective in mind.
7: This is not a feeding program and this is not a feeding effort. This is really a, a program designed to give our kids the tools they need so that they can learn in the classroom. Each week, about 12,000 kids across the Panhandle receive food through the program, and it appears to be making a difference. 71% of our teachers, when we survey them, indicate this program alone improves academic performance.
4: And just as Snack Pack for Kids is helping students learn, the organization has itself learned that it can count on the help of local agriculture. Dyron House says that fact really came through in the early years of the program as the organization overcame a significant shortcoming.
7: We had a group of ag leaders packing bags in our building and that group of ag leaders pointed out, hey, where's the protein for your kids? And I shared with them the lack of access and the expense and the cost. And that's what started this. So eight years ago, we had a group of ag leaders in our building. They said, what can we do? And from that point on, we've been able to bring our ag leaders and our ag partners and our community of agriculture together to say, let's get more protein for our kids. And that's what we've done.
4: And so with local dairy and beef producers providing philanthropy, guidance, and some very important assistance and making the right connections with suppliers, containers of shelf-stable milk and beef sticks became part of the backpacks of food sent home with students to help get them through the weekend. Other ways local agriculture is helping include the annual Beef for Kids Classic, a golf tournament which has raised over a quarter million dollars during its first two years, and an annual harvest of sweet corn raised by local farmers that Hal says this year netted about 50,000 ears for the kids. Snack Fact for Kids celebrated its 10th anniversary of operation in September. In Amarillo, James Hunt for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: Cotton harvest continues ahead of schedule across most of the Cotton Belt, with the exception of the Southeast. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey takes a look at the harvest numbers.
6: Taking a look first at the cotton harvest for the week ending November 15th, showing nationally 69% of the U.S. cotton harvested by mid-November. That is ahead of the five-year average of 64% and slightly ahead of last year's 66 percent the biggest story continues to be the slow harvest in the southeastern states looking at that set of five states we see progress ranging from just 40 percent harvested in virginia which has been soaked repeatedly by tropical systems to as high as 71 percent in alabama all five southeastern states alabama georgia virginia and the carolinas are well behind their average pace. And as I mentioned, the slowest Virginia, 40% harvested, compares to the five-year average of 82%. The longer the cotton sits out this time of year, the more it is exposed to wind and rain. And we've had plenty of those types of events. And that has compromised the quality of that cotton in the Southeast. Helping to balance that, in case you're wondering why the national number is actually ahead of average, that is because Texas, the cotton there, sixty-eight percent harvested, five year average is only fifty-two percent, and that is driving that national number significantly higher and pushing the national number ahead of average.
1: USDA's Brad Rippy.
2: Hunters for the Hungry allows hunters and non-hunters alike to help families in need. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag today
1: and blister beetles are a serious problem in horses-fed alfalfa and can lead to death of the horse. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today.
0: We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on
1: Texas Ag Today. Blister beetles can be a serious problem if you feed your horses alfalfa and they can actually kill your horse. But not all large beetles are blister beetles. Dr. Bob Judd has more.
9: Dr. Travis Mays at the Texas A&M Veterinary Diagnostic Lab indicates that some beetles were recently found in hay submitted to the lab. However, these were identified as tiger beetles and not blister beetles. And tiger beetles do not produce the dangerous chemical cantharidin that actually causes poisoning. There are many different species of toxic blister beetles, and these beetles are attracted to blooming alfalfa hay and can become incorporated in the hay when baled. With toxicity, horses ingest a few beetles and become very sick, as cantharidin is a blistering agent that causes inflammation of the mouth, stomach, and intestines. Clinical signs include decreased appetite, frequent drinking, colic, depression, and severe cases result in shock and death with only a few hours of ingestion. Treatment of blister beetle poisoning is difficult, as treatment involves reducing absorption of the toxin by administering activated charcoal and mineral oil through a nasogastric tube intravenous fluids are required to help prevent shock, and pain management is important. Preventing blister beetles from getting in the hay includes monitoring fields and cutting alfalfa in early bloom and inspecting the hay prior to feeding to horses. Since all beetles are not blister beetles, if beetles are found in hay, the beetles can be sent to the Texas A&M Diagnostic Lab because if the beetles are not toxic, the hay is okay to be fed. This is the reason most people in Texas do not feed Texas-grown alfalfa because other areas of the country are less likely to have blister beetles in their alfalfa compared to alfalfa grown in Texas. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
1: Hunters for the Hungry allows hunters and non-hunters alike to help families in need. Jessica Domel tells how in today's Wildlife Report.
2: There are several ways that hunters and non hunters alike can help families in need through the nonprofit Hunters for the Hungry program. For more, we're joined by David Yates, the Chief Executive Officer of the Texas Wildlife Association.
8: They can consider donating the meat from a an harvested animal. There is a list of participating game processors that will accept meat free of charge on the Hunters for Hungry website. It's housed under the Feeding Texas website. And then there's also a, a pretty broad group of participating meat processors that need to charge a moderate fee to keep their lights on and cover the overhead while they process that meat. They just can't do it free of charge. So a hunter can bring an animal or a harvested animal to a meat processor, and they can donate some cash to help offset those costs. Or the other way, and this is a really easy way to do it, and I would encourage everybody to do this, is to make a donation online to Hunters for the Hungry. That allows them to supplement those meat processors overhead.
2: You can also donate when buying a hunting or fishing license online.
8: Three sessions ago, Chairman John Siria from Lockhart, the State House of Representatives, passed a bill that allowed Texas Parks and Wildlife Department to collect donations for this program through their online license sale portal.
2: To donate or to find a processor near you, visit feedingtexas.org. That is feedingtexas.org. Click on Solutions and then Hunters for the Hungry. Again, today's comments were from David Yates with the Texas Wildlife Association. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dommel.
1: The cattle markets on nice bounce to the upside on Tuesday, but cotton and wheat both close lower. We'll take a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
3: Truck drivers, if you're stuck on a railroad crossing, don't just sit there. It takes a freight train more than a mile to stop, even in an emergency. So by the time you hear this... It could be too late to save your truck, and maybe your license or your life. Instead, immediately get out of your truck, away from the tracks, and call the number on the emergency sign at the crossing. That gives the railroad a chance to stop trains before they get to you. Always call the emergency number. It could save your truck, your license, and your life. Go to oli.org for info.
1: We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a nice move to the upside in the cattle complex on Tuesday, both live and feeder cattle ending in positive territory. We start with live cattle December contract up 90 cents, 201132, February up a dollar 55, 11357, $1, April live cattle up 90 cents, 11725. $1, November feeder cattle up 10, 13737, January feeders up a dollar 80. 139.72. The March up $1.50 dollar fifty at 139.17. Cash-fed kettle market at a standstill on Tuesday, as we usually see. No bids reported from the Packers. Still don't see asking prices out there from the feedlots. Boxed beef prices higher. Choice up 6.33. 233.28. Select up a dollar ten. 213.45. Let's check a couple of feeder cattle auctions now. We go to Nixon, Texas. Nixon Livestock Commission selling 2,128 head this week. The trend steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, $1.25 to $2.15 a pound. Three to 400 pounders, $1.33 to $1.98. Four to five weight steers, $1.23 to $1.85. Five to 600 pound steers, $1.08 to $1.60 dollar 6 to seven weights $1. $.4 to $1.26, and the 7 to 800 pound steers brought 99 cents to $1.26 a pound. Slaughter cows, 18 to 56 cents. Slaughter Bulls 70 to 85 cents. Stocker cows brought 450 to 900 a head. Live Oak Livestock auction Three Rivers, Texas, selling 2,273 head. Their trend was steady to lower. 2 to 3 weight steers $1.24 to $1.76, 3 to 400 pounders, dollar $1.20 to $1.70, 4 to 5 weight steers $1.16 to $1.62, 5 to 600 pounders, $1.12 to $1.50, 6 to 700 pound steers dollar $1.06 to $1.34, with the 7 to 8 weights bringing 92 cents to $1.28 a pound. Slaughter cows 22 to 54 cents. Slaughter bulls sixty to seventy-eight. Stocker cows brought five hundred to one thousand fifty a head, cow calf Pairs, six seventy-five to eleven hundred a pair. Now back over to the futures market, lean hogs had a higher close, December hogs up thirty-seven cents, sixty-five fifty-two, the February up a dollar eighty-five, sixty-five sixty-two, December class three milk down fifty-two cents. Sixteen twenty to hundred weight. The cotton market closed lower. It looks like harvest weather is looking really good across most of the cotton belt. Harvest making quick pace right now, and that's putting some harvest pressure into the cotton market. December cotton down forty six points, sixty nine eleven. March cotton down twenty eight, closing at seventy one thirty. Kansas City wheat closed lower, USDA reporting that 96% of the winter wheat crop is now planted, 85% of the crop has emerged, 46% of the crop rated good to excellent, that is down from 52% a year ago. December Kansas City wheat down 5.5, 5.52.5, new crop July wheat down a nickel, closing at 5.71.5. The corn market continues to climb higher. December corn up 4 cents, 420 and a quarter. In the energy markets, December natural gas unchanged at 268. December crude oil up 10 cents, 41.44 a barrel. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 209 points, 29,740. The NASDAQ down 26 of 11,898. The S&P 500 down 20, 3,606. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Kerry Martin. I'll see you then right here on Texas Ag Today.
0: Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts.